Welcome to the Rosenfeld Review. I'm your host, Lou Rosenfeld. My guest today is an old friend and for at least Rosenfeld Media new author, Christian Crumlish. Hey, Christian, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're drinking coffee together, uh, though 3,000 miles apart on a Friday afternoon. It feels like it's beer o'clock to me, but um, I guess it's coffee o'clock just a little longer. You may know Christian. Uh, I've known him for about, gosh, 20 years. Uh, Christian, you were, uh, I think of you as, as one of the people that came out of the whole Yahoo, uh, really smart UX people early on in their careers club. Like it seemed like Yahoo is one of those places that just had a corner on, on talent at a moment in time, just like the BBC did in, in London. And I'd say probably Razorfish has its own little mafia alumni here in New York. And uh, uh, I've known you since then. You got real involved in the IA community. Uh, nowadays, uh, you describe yourself as a product and UX leadership consultant with a company called design and product, uh, your main client being the state of California, where you are uh, trying to, I'm sure it's an interesting job. We might get some time to talk about it. Uh, leading product for the covid19.ca.gov website at the Office of Digital Innovation. But a couple of times in that introduction, design or UX and product intersected, and not surprising that your book that is coming out in, I think it's January, Pretty close, That's maybe February. Uh, you should t- ask your publisher. Uh, product <laughs> product management for UX people. From designing to thriving in a product world. It's got a great cover. I've seen and read the manuscript. It's in galley form. It's at the printer as of a couple days ago. We're very excited by that. And let's talk about it. So you and I were were talking about this, well, it was probably a year or two ago when you brought up the idea, and I loved it um, because it seems like we are all living in a product world. And I have a question for you about that. You know, if you, like, look through it, look through UX versus product through, let's say, oh, uh, content lens, which I I often use, like maybe it's a publishing lens, I see a lot written on UX. I see a lot of conferences on UX. I see an emergent body of knowledge on UX. I don't know that I see that kind of content heft in product management. And is it just a matter of my limited uh, view uh, from my biased perspective or is there something to it as someone who spans both worlds? I think there is something to it. there's probably a couple factors going into that impression. One is that definitely product is, I'd say, behind UX in terms of uh, maturity as a sort of a digital profession. Um, I think it gelled more recently than UX did, at least in its current form. And as somebody who, as you mentioned, came up kind of with UX, even you know before UX was maybe the, the primary term for that, um, I was present at a lot of the emergence of mailing lists and uh, online publications and conferences and uh, books and and um, 
training opportunities and communities of, of all kinds, communities of practice. And, um, you know, the, the internet design oriented communities of practice have been quite rich and, and complex and even had factions, as we know, that split from each other and then reconciled, et cetera. And um, I see product, the product management role of the job as somewhere in that same larger family of um, kind of in, intersecting, orchestrating roles on the internet that aren't necessarily about writing code and aren't necessarily about certain specific um, making crafts, but are necessary glue to getting uh, coherent stuff built. And it's just that the product management role comes from a different lineage and I think has taken some time to pull together as a community of practice. But I've seen a, an acceleration in the last five mm -hmm. years or so, um, you know, mine the product with its local product tanks and, and now kind of conferences all around the world planted a flag, I think. And as, as I think you and I mentioned, it's a, it's a quite UX friendly brand of product um, leadership or product thought. Um, but there's, there's others and there's publications and there's Slack groups. Um, so I think a little bit is also that if you're firmly anchored in the UX world, then the overlap with product is out near the fringes and you might be not be seeing entirely into the more product centered part of that world. So, okay. So it seems like there's some, I'm afraid to use the word imbalance, but definitely some asymmetry in some senses where you have a more established at least body of knowledge and maybe even community that is having to move toward the product world. Your book says how to thrive. It's about thriving in a product world, not a design right. world. Right. And I don't know anyone is writing a book, you know, that is called uh, "User Experience Design for for Product People Thriving Designing and uh, Thriving in a in a Design World." You know, yeah, the yeah. Converse title I don't think is coming out anytime soon. So why is the balance of power? Uh, it, well, imbalanced. Let, let, let me go ahead and, and own that word here. Yeah. I mean, that's a really deep question. It's super interesting. I think it goes to the heart, I think, of why some UX people start to think about going into product as a, as a career move. Um, if they perceive that imbalance and they say, for whatever reason, the people with the product titles are more empowered, then there's a sense that, well, that job's not that different from mine. If I learn to do that, then I'll finally have that mythical seat at the table or I'll be included. And, and I think there's there's some truth to that. The, the, part of this is that product management is essentially a business frame. It comes, becomes, you know, like UX, it has deep roots in marketing. So, so these things are cousins already in terms of, you know, um, scientific 20th century business models are trying to really understand what a market is or what people want and then advertise to them or market to them or craft user experiences for them. Um, and I think the product frame, it, it, it's a, in some ways, it's kind of a funny metaphor that, that, that people settled on, you know, and it's, it's equivalent. I mean, at Microsoft, the equivalent job was called program manager for a mm -hmm. long time. But even there, it wasn't clear if they meant PMO, like, like a person who manages many programs and, and coordinates a bunch of projects, or the manager of the software programs that they were building. Like, like you know, I, I think there was some ambiguity in, in the title even then. Um, but for whatever reason, the product manager role has a certain amount of business DNA in it that um, is not always as apparent, I think, in the design uh, identity and the design kind of posture in, inside enterprises. Um, and it somehow, I think, inherits some credibility, like, like speaking the language of the bosses in a mm -hmm. way that design often struggles with. I mean, one of the people I talked to in, in my last chapter in the book, which is about leadership, 
um, I, I talked to Harry Max for a while, who has often consulted with UX people trying to rise into leadership, and 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 he's he he told me that designers have to learn to talk differently and to communicate differently, and and to you know, not spend so much time telling the boss that, that they asked the wrong question and that the better question would be X, Y, Z, but answer the boss's question because an executive is constantly trying to parse information and figure out what the decision point is. And they don't necessarily want to know the history of UX for the last 15 years before mm-hmm. getting to the point. Um, I'm stereotyping, obviously, but I think product sometimes comes with that me- metaphorical suit on already and that gets it in the door. Um, I think that's one reason why people find themselves inside product organizations because leadership has somehow said these designers and these creative people these engineers they need a manager and that term nowadays is product manager yeah it's interesting uh i mean you talk about the the speaking the language of business and really the the business aspects that are so integral to being a product manager uh you know your your book is first of all it's delightfully short um i actually you you don't know this but we had to pay our uh, your your editor a bonus because of that so thanks a lot. Uh, but um, the, uh, the, the, the guts of the book are um, chapters titled like The Business of Product is Business, Product Analytics, Growth and Engagement and Retention, Testing Hypotheses with Experiments, Getting the Money, uh, and uh, Roadmaps and How to Say No. Those sound like they could be out of many business textbooks. Yes, and I think the the what's interesting is that in in the the context of making software together, mm-hmm. usable software that people want that they'll pay for or that they'll they'll support, you know, with their attention, um, the the UX designer or strategist or researcher has a lot to offer in in those questions of of how are we going to grow, how are we going to find a market and meet its needs. How are we going to make money? Enough money to, to keep this going. Even I'm mean, working with government right now. We don't sell stuff to people, but we still have budgets, and we still have to do things in an affordable way. We have to spend money that's cost-effective. So, mm-hmm. um, I think design at times, by being so much focused on kind of the, uh, uh, the, the, the experience that's being crafted, um, the, the details of the experience, um, sometimes leaves itself out of the broader conversation of are we even making the right thing? Um, and of all the things we could do, which are done, which are no doubt all good things, what are the tough decisions we have to make, um, you know, to, to 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 reach our goals right now? I think I, I say somewhere in the book that, uh, you know, when you if you really want to be a product manager, you're going to have to get used to not saying it depends anymore. You mm-hmm. have to give people actual answers. And, and and again, it's a stereotype, but it seems like the those of us who got drawn into UX sometimes are of a temperament where we'd kind of be happy researching and researching and refining forever. It's almost like the perfection and the ideal is the goal. Whereas I think sometimes the product frame, you know, um, is, is more about taking everything we know right now and giving the urgency at the moment, what to, what should we actually do? What choice do we need to make? And that can feel like a person who doesn't want to do the research or has already made up their mind. It can, it can land really badly if people come into the room with completely different kind of paradigms of how do we make choices. Would you say then that there's some interesting parallels between uh, designers and product managers, uh, that relationship with the relationship between designers and um, engineers or developers working uh, uh, with agile principles? Because it seems like 
so much of what you just described where there's a disconnect in communications comes from to having different time horizons, having different cadences of what the work is and how long it should take and when it should be, you know, uh, when the benefits of the work should be realized. Are you on a quarterly schedule trying to make uh, stockholders happy and, and uh, um, or, or, you know, trying to complete your sprints very quickly versus are you you know, taking your time to let a product evolve organically. And yeah, all right, that's not necessarily the, the best way to, to summarize the, the way that mm-hmm. designers experience or, or, or work with time. But I, I, I do feel like time is a big differentiator here. Time or cadence. I think that's right. I, and I also would say that um, there's a question of really what, maybe what, uh, what stage of maturity the 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 project or the, or the enterprise is in you know and, and um so in the kind of the cult of the startup where everything should be agile and lean and should be done in the quickest way and you should learn just learn by doing you know ship code mm-hmm. have users see what they do break um, stuff there's a, right there, there's some wisdom in there and you certainly can like spend a long time researching and doing many iterations and learn less than by just shipping something and finding out what people want um, and that is a that so that's a really interesting wisdom and it can be applied and sometimes to make you question maybe you know uh, design in some ways like anything is about de-risking you know like, like like we think there's a risk that if we don't research this enough we'll do a bad design so let's invest in it but you don't necessarily reinvestigate every single thing some things you've got patterns for already you kind of figure you can do them the standard way and it's probably fine um I think that 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 so often it's just about choosing when to use which technique um, and, and as you say, the cadence is, is very important. The time horizon of having to make a decision has a really large impact on that. Um, again, that, that, that kind of move fast and break things philosophy doesn't work so great in a well-established business that has existing customers who get mad if, the, if you break the service they're paying. Or die. <laughs> or die, right, or if the plane crashes. Or, or, and, and, and again, in government, which is what I'm now having some experience with, you know, you absolutely have to be very thought. You, we try to move fast. We we, we try to to be nimble, um, but we have stakeholders. We have statutory obligations that are very important. They're not to be cut corners. You know, you're not supposed to cut those corners. It's it's dangerous to do that. Um, so I was very happy, for instance, that we were able to work through a design for you know a comparison of of the rates of COVID among vaccinated and unvaccinated people, uh, and we got that out in six six weeks. And while we were doing it, I felt like I was pulling teeth. It was taking forever to get the data validated, to get the approvals. But when I took a step back, I thought, hey, on government time, six weeks is pretty fast. You know, it's only a couple of sprints, really. So, so I, th- I think we did well. But again, you had to, that we didn't do it by acting like a startup that had zero, zero um, kind of consequences of our decision. Time. It's, a, it's just a pain in the ass. And, and speaking of which, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Rosenfeld Review with my guest, Christian Crumlish. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want more, not only do we have a whole bunch of podcasts in our archive, but we have something that's very current, very alive, and very engaging for groups. And that is our communities. Rosenfeld Media runs a variety of communities that meet on a monthly basis for video conferences on a variety of topics near and dear to UX people ranging from enterprise experience to advancing research to design and research operations. I want to encourage you to join one of our communities. Again, it is free by going to rosenfeldmedia.com communities. 
Not only will you get a monthly video conference that you can listen in on and participate in, ask questions and so forth, we'll give you access to the recordings. And uh, for some of those communities, we're talking about dozens of recordings with really interesting presenters and facilitators. You'll also get a newsletter. You'll get access to an advice columnist. Yes, we actually are providing advice columnists for each community. And finally, if you're interested in our conferences, our communities correspond to our conferences. So you will be the first to know when, programs, uh, when programs go live, uh, when tickets go on sale, and by the way, most of our conferences sell out, and other good things about our conferences, such as uh, when the scholarship applications open up. So go to rosenfeldmedia.com communities. You're gonna find something that's free, something that's interesting, and it's a great opportunity to find your tribe as well. We'll see you there. Welcome back to the Rosenfeld Review. I'm Lou Rosenfeld. I'm with Christian Crumlish. We are talking about his book, Product Management for UX People, From Designing to Thriving in a Product World, which should be out in January, February of 2022. Supply chain, God willing. And I'll tell you, it's it's been a pain. It has been a pain. Getting books printed these days takes about twice as long as it did before the pandemic, and that's only part of it. But we're going to get it out. It's at My part is done. My part is done. My feet are up on the desk. The, the, the crumlish aspect of the supply chain is, is delivered, and uh, we'll take it from here. Uh, Christian, speaking of the book, uh, it, it really is like a, a service to two kinds of people in design. One, one is the, the designer who actually is looking at product management as a role for, the, for themselves. They're going to make that move. And, you know, you and I certainly um, know lots of people who started in design or in UX and have done that and really successfully. Um, and more are coming. And I think that's a good thing. The other case, the other use case is, is the people who don't really necessarily know that they want to do that, but they're part of organizations with product managers that they have to work with. They live in that product world from your subtitle mm -hmm. and they um, are going to get something out of this book as well. Let's start with that first group though. What do you think the real promise of the book is for people who are, are UX people moving into product roles? Well, it's definitely people on that path that inspired the book. And, and as you mentioned, I mean, I've walked that path myself. I've had UX titles. I, I was a, I was a, a director of, of, you know, UX teams when I became a director of product teams. So I had a relatively easy uh, lateral transition compared to the way some people have had to break into product management. Um, and along the way, I found that I've noticed more people interested in that path. And I've been, I found more people come to me for advice because they're aware that that's something I've done or because people direct them to me. And that drumbeat has sort of increased over the last couple of years to the point that a couple of years ago, I put together a sort of informal Slack community for people on that spectrum or the cusp between UX and product who want to talk about it. Some are coming back the other way or coming in from engineering, but people who think that that overlapping area is interesting and murky and, and needs some figuring out. Um, and the book in many ways really did kind of grow out of that that compost, you know, that conversation and, and a growing sense that a lot of people were interested in that. Sometimes I think anyone who's been around UX for a while probably is aware that there's a career issue that, that designers often struggle with, which is, do I have to put down my tools and become a manager to advance? And, and sometimes the answer has been, no, we have a principal role. We have 
these distinguished roles, you can continue to be just a very high powered individual contributor and continue to be seen as a leader and, and, and a top performer and things like that. Um, that same, I see the question of, should I become a product manager as sort of a cousin to that, should, we, should I become a design manager question? It appears to be another career path that might be available to some people and might be desirable. I think particularly, you know, to those of us who came into UX, not necessarily purely from a graphic design or communications design orientation, although I love those things and, and they're, they're important to me, but I came more from writing and from information was an IA self-identified before I was an interaction designer, before I was a UX designer, before I was a product manager. Um, and if you're already kind of thinking of the strategy and the system level with the big picture and how everything connects and less about the, the rounded corners and, 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 the, and the motion easing and things like that, then it, you feel more adjacent to the product manager, I think. And, and, you, and you kind of maybe rub shoulders with product managers more. And maybe you feel like your toes are stepped on more too, because you're like, well, I could have figured that out or I had an opinion about that. Um, so I try to help people who are thinking along these lines to consider it seriously, including to seriously consider what it's like to be a product manager. Um, because as I point out, it's not a design job. You will not be using Figma very often. Um, and uh, you'll be in a spreadsheet or in, in a JIRA ticket much well, more often. Although, isn't that a kind of bit of design? You're designing in the sense of maybe designing a team or designing yes, aspects I mean, of a product in terms of things for, like positioning. Yes, I, I agree with what you're saying in the sense that, look, when I, was a, when I became a design manager, I didn't feel like, oh, I'm no longer creative or I'm no longer making stuff because I felt like orchestrating and deploying the team and bringing out their talents and unblocking them and supporting them gave me a feeling of, of you know, ownership or parenthood over what was happening in, in a very satisfying way. But not everybody's able to derive that same creative boost, you know, that feeling of creativity from deploying people, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and orchestrating projects. Some people like that's just too talky and abstract for them, or it requires too much interpersonal communication for them, and they'd rather be inside a uh, an, in a drawing environment or a coding environment, making stuff. Wrong design material. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that's the point. Is that you, you should think at least that the materials under your hands are going to change if you move into product, which is fine. It's just do it with open eyes if that's the thing for you. Um, if you decide you would like to do that, then I think in, really the message of the book is that, that um, some of the things that you know as a UX person, whether you're a researcher, strategist, designer, whatever your title is, um, will be super helpful with product because that, that overlapping area is real and, and, and it, it, you know, you're not wrong to think that you have something to say already about what the product should be and, and what the priority should be and, and, and the things that product managers do. There's a lot you bring to the table as a mm -hmm. UX designer, but you don't bring everything to the table. You don't inherently know about those business things that you were talking about before. You might, but, but odds are you probably don't. You may not be as comfortable delving into the technical stack with, with an engineer and, and going toe to toe over whether something's a good idea or not, you may have to brush up on that as well. Um, and if so, then I try to walk through really, what are those things that you would need to, to pick up along the way? Um, in my case, I had mentors and bosses who, who knew I had gaps and who consciously taught me and put me in positions of learning. Um, and that helped me at some point feel like I really could speak fairly comfortably about that whole spectrum. Um, and then, uh, I also try to make the point that that these things 
you know, don't need to be so, they can be demystified. They don't have to be so scary or mm -hmm. so alien that being a creative person or a designer doesn't mean that you never have to touch money, you know, or that you, or that numbers are your enemy. Like, like numbers can be your friend, you know, you, you, you can learn where you fit in with that. And, and I think we were talking about during the break, um, and it goes sort of to this, the second role um, that you can ally with product people and you can bring your UX sensibility to data visualization, for instance, which is an area that, that really needs attention a lot of time. Um, so if you're changing jobs, you've, you've got all these UX skills that, that are certainly going to help you along the way. Um, but I do try to point out what you want to pick up in addition to that. And then uh, those same skills, uh, if even if you're not going to make that job change, come together quite nicely with doing things like supporting a product manager that you're working with, right? Right. I think that's the other thing. And, and I, 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 as you say, if you're simply going to be working with product managers or on teams that are called product teams, you know, as opposed to like being like a marketing team or something like that, which is a valid distinction, then learning the, the, the way product managers think, the things they're trying to accomplish and what they're being judged on or assessed on, what their needs are, what kind of language they use, that will really help you communicate better with them and work better with them and, and not run into each other so so readily. And, and I think it's reasonable to say, well, they should learn my way too. They should they should become smarter about UX and, and maybe I'll educate them about those things. But I feel like that's the sort of evangelist bent that UX people sometimes um, shoot themselves in the foot with, where it's like, not everybody wants to be taught stuff. Not everybody wants to learn your, your way. Why don't we use that other great UX skill of, of studying people, of, of cultivating empathy and understanding and meeting our users or the people that we're trying to serve much more than halfway. And not saying, well, they should figure out the interface. You know, the, I worked hard on this interface. They should study it and learn it. It's, it's obviously not the right way. So similarly, like if you're going to work with product people, then, you know, maybe trying to understand where they're coming from will help you work better with them. And then you may find that, as I say, that you have a lot to bring to those things, that you can help them win their arguments with their bosses or, or position the team for success because you can figure out where you align. And there is, there's a chapter on the healthy tension that needs to be there. You're pulling, you actually are anchored in different values and that's okay between design and product. You know, the product person is sort of thinking holistically about how can this thing survive in the world mm -hmm. as, a, as a commodified service that can sustain itself which is a little different from how do we make the best possible experience for, for customers or users. They relate in a very strong way, but they, they're not, they're not inherently the same thing. And at best you actually make use of that tension to find the third thing that, that's really wonderful. You know, I, I mean, you've covered so much just in those last uh, uh, couple sentences, but I really love that you're again, uh, like a lot of other wise people in the industry reminding us to put aside our savior complexes to to maybe not do so much solutioneering uh maybe uh, do a little bit more um should we call it listeneering <laughs> sorry that's a horrible word but it is friday hey christian we're we're, we're um gonna need to wrap in a minute but i do want to give you a moment to weigh in uh as part of our tradition on the rosenfeld review of uh calling out someone or something that you think our listeners would really benefit from knowing about and maybe could use a little more attention right well i i was thinking about this and um it, i have a name in mind a person in mind who if you if you're already familiar with the product world you may have encountered him already he's somebody that i met personally early on in my career I interviewed for a job that he didn't hire me for, but that I, we still stayed on each other's radar over the years. And he's always someone 
I, he's someone I've turned to a couple of times, you know, for advice, uh, a fellow named Ken Norton. Mm-hmm. Um, and he uh, has had a number of interesting role, product roles, including for a long time he was at Google Ventures. Um, but he's currently now uh, independent and kind of just leaning totally into educating and coaching. Um, and he's got a, like a newsletter called Bringing the Donuts, I believe, which is his uh, kind of one of his slogans is that the product manager always brings the donuts. That's, that's part of the fundamental job. But it's a very wise newsletter. He's got great contacts. So he tells good stories uh, from the industry. And um, he's my kind of PM in the sense that he kind of, I think he's not just a, you know, that stereotype of a business head who's just, you know, kind of cranking the numbers out in a soulless way. I, I think he really gets, he, he certainly gets UX. So if you come from a UX perspective, I think his newsletter would have things for you as well. Fantastic. So Ken Norton will have uh, a URL in the, uh, in the wrap up of the podcast. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And Christian, thank you. It's great to talk with you. I wish we had more time. Uh, but the good news is that if you, dear listener, want to get a little bit more of this conversation, well, there's a whole book coming out in uh, January, February timeframe, Product Management for UX People from Designing to Thriving in a Product World from Rosenfeld Media. Christian, great to have you. Thanks again, and uh, can't wait for the book to come out. Thanks for having me, Luke. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Rosenfeld Review brought to you by Rosenfeld Media. If you like our show, please subscribe and review it on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast platform. I'd love it if you tell a friend to have a listen and check out our website for over 100 podcasts with other interesting people. You'll find them all at rosenfeldreview.com.